Well, for um, those of you that were fortunate enough in previous years to go to spring training in Arizona to see the Angels play, how many baseball fans do we have? The season has just started. So if you've had that opportunity, well, at first I'd say if you haven't done it, you've got to do it because it's very different. You get to meet the players in a different way. They're very open. They want to come up and talk to you. You don't get that in a game that you're going to go throughout the year. So it's a lot of fun. But if you've gone, one of the first things you realize is that you probably went there to see all the players that you get to see every single week. And that's not quite how it is. You might get to see them for an inning or two, maybe three if you're lucky, but then they bring in the rookies. And all the coaches are looking at them, trying to see who's going to make the team that year and get to play in the big leagues. Well, that's how I want you to think about this morning. Okay, Pastor Mike's on vacation. Hopefully him and Alice are having a really wonderful time. But this is spring training right here at Grace Hills Church. And as Brandon would say, there it is. Um, the message today is titled, Life in Places We Don't Want to Be. Uh, we're looking at Genesis chapter 39. And specifically, we're looking at the life of Joseph and particularly his life and the circumstances and places he didn't want to be in. Joseph would spend 13 years of his life as a slave and in prison. He'd have to endure fear, hardship, struggles, temptation. And I assure you, given the opportunity, just like any one of us, he would have picked another way. He would have avoided them. Joseph's situation was beyond his control. But what caught my attention as I prepared for this week was the fact that God had Joseph exactly where he wanted him. Think about that. God was at work behind the scenes, supernaturally orchestrating the events in his life, using circumstances, people, struggles, even evil and hardship to prepare Joseph to do what God intended. Joseph was a slave because God wanted him there. Think about that. Joseph was in prison because God wanted him there. That caught my attention. God was using these difficult situations in Joseph's life to prepare him, and that made me think, or more importantly, I guess it made me realize, there must be times in my life when I'm going to suffer, I'm going to go through difficult times, and it's part of God's plan. There must be times in all our lives when we will have to endure hardship and pain so that God can prepare us for he wants or for what he wants to do. Why is knowing this so important? Um, well, to me, it seems that if we don't understand God's plan for our lives, especially when it comes to suffering, our faith can be shaken. We can live lives that dishonor him. And rather than being fully devoted followers of Christ, we can be people who blame God, who blame others. People that become victims rather than people who, like Joseph, are available and are used by God to make a difference in this world. It's in those times of our lives we are the greatest example to those who have no hope in this world. I like what C.S. Lewis wrote. He said, the most beautiful people are those who have known defeat, known suffering, known struggle, known loss, and have found their way out of the depths. These persons have an appreciation, a sensitivity, 
and an understanding of life that fills them with compassion, gentleness, and a deep loving concern. Beautiful people do not just happen. He went on to say, but pain, pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It's his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. It makes me think about the way God works in our lives. Sometimes we're just soft clay, easily molded. Sometimes to move us a little bit, he's got to push a little harder, doesn't he? Absolutely. I think sometimes he uses a jackhammer in my life. But sometimes, sometimes it's a train wreck, literally stopping us in our tracks so that we can hear him, so that he can work in our lives. Ephesians 2.10 tells us that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Maybe God's plan isn't for us to rule a nation like it was Joseph, but if we're children of God, you can bet he's going to do whatever it takes to prepare us to do his will and to make a difference in people's lives. I think what's so challenging for us, at least it is for me, is that... You know, like Joseph, we don't know what's going to happen. We have no idea how things are going to turn out as we're going through difficult times in our lives. And that scares us. God didn't tell Joseph he would someday be ruler of Egypt. For all he knew, he'd be a slave for the rest of his life. But God knows. God knows everything about our lives. He knew your first day and your last. God sees tomorrow. He's omniscient. God sees my life, your life, like Joseph's 13 years from now. Scripture says that he sees it from beginning to end. So God knows the plans he has for us, Scripture tells us in Jeremiah. And it's God who causes all things to work together for good, he tells us in Romans. The truth is, without him, we wouldn't know what's best for our lives. If it involved hardship, I guarantee you, I would want nothing to do with it. I do everything I can to plan around it. I believe him. He tells me that's bad, that's going to hurt. I don't know about you, but I believe him. But this is true in our life. We're going to deal with it. And without him, we don't know the truth. We don't know what's best for us. We don't see what's going to happen next. Um, I, I like to say that in truth, I'm clueless. That's the best way to describe it. I'm clueless. I don't see things the way sometimes I need to. So who's better to be in charge, God or me? I think he is. Um, The greatest example of, I'll say, being confused or not having a clue is um, my sister Joni. I'm going to use her as an example this morning. Someday if she ever hears this, hopefully she doesn't get upset with me. But it's a great example of, not seeing things the way they truly are. When she was 18 years old, she's my younger sister. When she was 18, she's very talented, had a beautiful voice. She was attractive, and she was invited to be a part of a group called Up With People. I don't know if any of you know them. But they traveled the world for a year. And she had never been anywhere. She had never even left our hometown. And she was going to go travel the world. She got to play in Europe, all throughout the United States and Canada. She even got to play the halftime show at Super Bowl 16. 
Um, but she had never been anywhere. So my dad, being an LAPD police officer, decided, you know, I'm going to do what any good father would do. I'm going to sit her down and explain to her what she needs to be careful of and watch out for. So he told her, you know, when you're in airports, watch out for people. You know what? Especially men. You watch out for men. You have absolutely no idea. So he scared her really good, and she goes off to do her thing. And she's traveling through an airport. I don't recall which one it was, Europe, United States. really doesn't matter. But she's walking through the airport, and she notices that every guy in there is looking at her, staring at her, and just hawking her for the most part. So much she's extremely uncomfortable. She starts walking faster and faster, and then she notices ladies are looking at her. Everybody's looking at her. And she's pretty much panicked at this point. But what she didn't realize was when she got to the airport, the first thing she did is go to the ladies' room. And she accidentally tucked her skirt in the back of her shorts. So she's walking through the airport with her, with her air conditioning on. And this very nice elderly lady walked up to her and said, Honey, honey. And she told her what was wrong. But she didn't have a clue. She had no idea what was going on around her. She's walking with her you know, thing going on there. Another time, another airport. Hopefully someday you get to meet my sister Joni. Um, uh, she's in an airport, and the first thing she does is go to the restroom again. Who does that, by the way? That's my move. First thing. i got to know where it's at. She goes to the restroom. She sits down in the stall. She sets her purse down, and immediately a lady reaches under the stall and grabs her purse. And Joni just reaches for it, and she gets it, and then a tug-of-war ensues. And to hear my sister Julie explain it or ta- tell the story, Joni's screaming, yeah, yeah, you know, she's going to get her purse away from her. She's screaming with all... Everything she's got, and she wins. She gets the purse away, and it pulls her to this side of the stall, and she looks down, and there's her purse (laughs) sitting right there. Oh, she had wrestled this lady's purse away from her. So she just, sorry, just (laughs) slides it back under. But Joni didn't have a clue. Things were not as it seemed. For things are not always as they seem for us. We don't know all the pieces of the puzzle, but God has a clue. Um, Jesus, (laughs) sorry, Joni. Jesus said that in this world, we would have tribulation, but he didn't stop there. He goes on to say, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. My hope is today that we would leave here with a better understanding of how God works and intervenes in our lives especially when we suffer, because Jesus made it, made it clear. He said, we live in a fallen world. We will all endure trials. We will all suffer. We're all going to experience fear and pain in the places and circumstances that we would rather not be in. And even though we can't see what God is doing, God wants us to know he has a plan for our lives. It's good plans, plans that give us hope. And he wants to help us to live our lives in a way that honors him, especially at these times in our lives. It's how we live our lives in those situations that's important to God. So if you would, please open your Bibles. I couldn't cram it all into your notes. Open your Bibles to chapter 39. We're going to be looking at verses uh, 1 through 6 to start with. The first thing we need to know about God's plan for our life in the places we don't want to be is that we're not alone. You're not alone. Genesis 39, 1 through 6 says, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, 
bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was successful. He was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had he put under his authority. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. First thing God wants us to know is that we're not alone. This would be the first time in Joseph's life that he was really, truly all alone. Imagine being sold into slavery at 17. What were your hopes and dreams at 17? Do you remember? What were you thinking life would be for you? I guarantee you for me it wasn't going into slavery in a land that I had no idea what was going to happen. He's taken down to Egypt and he has no idea what's ahead of him. I'm sure he was terrified. But take a look at verse 2 there. In chapter 39, Scripture tells us the Lord was with Joseph. Joseph Joseph had lost everything, but he wasn't alone. God was with him. Deuteronomy 31.8 says, And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. Maybe some of you here today feel the same way. Maybe you feel a little bit lost right now. Maybe you recently lost someone you love. Maybe you or someone you love has health that's failing. Maybe you're going through the pain of divorce, either in your family or somebody else, somebody else's, somebody you love. Maybe you've lost the love and the respect of the person or people you care the most for. Maybe you're one of the millions of people in this country that can't find a job right now. Whatever your circumstances, God wants you to know you're not alone. He's with you. Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is with those who uphold my life. Psalm 54.4. God also wants us to know that we have each other. Galatians 6.2 says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And 1 Peter 3, 8, finally, all of you, live in harmony with one another, be sympathetic, love as brothers, be compassionate and humble. God has uniquely designed us to do life together, to make a difference in each other's lives so that we don't go through difficult times on our own. That's the advantage of being in life groups. That's why we push them so hard here at Grace Hills Church. We want you to be in a place with other believers doing life together, So that when you go through times like this in your life, that you're not alone. The people that love you and care for you are there. They can pray for you. They can help you. You're not alone. The second thing God wants us to know about his plan for our lives in the places we don't want to be is when we're honoring God with our lives, we will be tempted. Take a look at chapter 39 again, verses 6 through 10. It says, now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph. And she said, lie with me. 
But he refused and said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So it was, as she spoke to Joseph day by day, that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. When we're honoring God with our lives, especially in difficult times, we will be tempted. God was preparing Joseph to one day rule Egypt and save the nation of Israel. And imagine for a moment if Joseph had failed. If because of Joseph's sin and the consequences of it, God wasn't able to use him in this situation. Verse 10 tells us Potiphar's wife. And when you think of Potiphar's wife, I want you to think of her the way I do. Okay, I see Elizabeth Taylor in Cleopatra. I see Ann Baxter in the Ten Commandments. Okay, this is Potiphar's wife. She was relentless, day by day pursuing Joseph. Okay, I don't know about you, but for me, when, especially when I'm going through difficult times, and I'm trying to honor God with my life, it seems like for whatever reason, it's in those times that I'm the most tempted. I don't know. I don't think that's by accident. Uh, maybe we're more sensitive to sin in our lives at that time, but Jesus is a perfect example. He was the suffering servant. He came to give his life as a ransom for us. In the moment he began his ministry, when he was baptized, Satan came to tempt him, to stop him from doing what God the Father had planned for him immediately. Another good example is Job. Satan told God, stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. Yes, if Joseph had not sinned, God's plans would still be accomplished. But how different would Joseph's life have been if he had sinned and he had suffered the consequences? As we go through difficult times in our lives, and we choose to honor God, we will be tempted. Satan would like nothing more than to destroy our witness, discredit our faith, and have, have us dishonor God. He's clever. He knows where you're the most vulnerable. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. It's a very familiar verse for us. Ephesians 5.15-17 says, Therefore, be careful how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. When we're in places we don't want to be, we're trying to honor God with our lives, we need to not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. When we're honoring God, you can bet we're going to be tempted. The third thing that God wants us to know as we're living life in the places we don't want to be, is that, and this is going to be a tough one, we're right where God wants us. Think about that. When we're living life in the places we don't want to be, we're right where God wants us. Look at Genesis 39, 11 through 20. It says, but it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was inside that she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. 
And so it was when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside that she called to the men of of her house and spoke to them, saying, See, he has brought in to us a Hebrew to mock us. He came into me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And then verse 19. So it was when his master heard the words which his wife spoke to him, saying, Your servant did to me after this manner that his anger was aroused. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into prison place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in the prison. Joseph was doing the right thing here. He doesn't give in to temptation, and he honors God with his life in that difficult situation. And what happens to him? He's thrown into prison. He's thrown into prison for something that he did not do. How would you feel? How would you feel at that time? Imagine yourself being Joseph. You do the right thing, yet you're thrown into prison. Would you feel abandoned, angry, disappointed? Wouldn't it be natural to be discouraged? Would doubt set in? Again, Joseph has no idea what God is doing. God wants to teach us just the opposite. As Christians, we need to understand that there will be times in our lives that God calls us to suffer. It's not very popular to hear that, but it's the truth. If we're going to be people who honor him with our lives in all circumstances, I believe this is something that we need to understand. Let me give you a perfect example. Look at your sermon notes there. Let's look at Job chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. To me, the scariest words in all of Scripture would be to hear Jesus say, I never knew you, by far the scariest. But the second scariest words would be these six words. Reading from Job 1, 6 through 8, it says, Now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth. And from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? Most of you know the story of Job. But the scene here is in heaven. It's at the throne of God. All the angels are around him. And Satan comes in. And keep in mind, it's God who initiates the conversation here. And he asked Satan, where have you been? This is my take on his answer here. But basically, Satan tells God he's been roaming the earth looking for trouble. Now, there's nothing God doesn't know. God knows exactly what's on Satan's heart and on Satan's mind. He even knows what Satan's going to do. God also knows his servant Job. He defined him as... A man who is a servant, there's none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. Job was a Christian. Job was a Christian. Before God ever utters those six words, he knows Job will. All of his children are going to die. He's going to lose everything he has. He's going to suffer tremendous pain and hardship with disease. His friends are going to turn on him. His wife is going to turn on him. 
God knows all of those things. And he says to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Think about that. It's not like Satan came in, hey, hey, can I hurt Job? It didn't go down like that. It was God's will that Job suffer. Why? Well, Scripture tells it was, it was to ultimately reveal to Satan and to each one of us the true character of God's people. And to help us understand God's incredible compassion and mercy in the midst of suffering, but God had a purpose and a plan for Job's life. Do you think of suffering in your life in that way? Do you think there's times in your life where you're right where God wants you, even though you're going through pain and difficulties in your life? I don't often think that way. Like I said before, I avoid it in every way I can. I don't think, I don't think I'm unusual. I think we're all very much the same. God is sovereign. The story of beginnings is about him, not about us. He is Lord. His will be done, not mine. Yes, he loves us, and he has a plan for our lives. He did for Job as well. The story didn't end there, and it doesn't end there for us. He blessed Job. He carried Job through that difficult time, and then he blessed him more than he had ever blessed him in his entire life. But God had a plan for his life. He loves us, and his plans for our lives, like I said before, are good plans. He knows what's best for us. But God orchestrated these difficult times in Joseph's life to uniquely prepare him to do something someday that he had designed him to do. He was going to govern Egypt. He was going to save the nation of Israel and protect them for 400 years. Joseph needed to learn the things that God wanted him to learn so that he could do that. Joseph was right where God wanted him. Through the hatred of his brothers, through slavery in Egypt, and through two years in prison, God taught Joseph what he needed to learn. God has things he needs to teach us. And there's... Times in our lives where the only way we're going to learn them is if he applies pressure. If we have struggles in this life. If he takes things away, if that's what it takes. Even if it takes a train wreck to stop us in our tracks. He loves us and he has a life planned for you. And he wants to teach you. He does the same in our lives today. So what do we learn? He teaches us to be patient and to trust him. James 1, verses 2 through 4 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Count it all joy. That's what God tells us. That's what it takes trials in our lives to teach us to be patient. How are you when you're faced with trials? I don't, for me, I face, I'm in a struggle or difficult things happen. The first thing that happens is I get impatient. Pastor Mike loves to use driving an example, as an example for him. Well, that will test all our patience. Maybe I'm the second worst impatient driver there is, but the first thing God wants to teach us is to be patient. The second thing he wants us to know is, he, or he teaches us is to be courageous. He wants us to have courage. Psalm 27, 14 says, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. 
Notice how patience and courage seem to go together there. These are characteristics he wants for our lives. I love what Ernest Hemingway had to say. He said, courage is grace under pressure. As pressure is applied to our lives, grace is a result of that. God's riches at Christ's expense. That would be the response. But probably John Wayne's quote, I like the best by far. He said, courage is being scared to death and saddling up anyways. I don't know why, but I like that. Be strong and be of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. He teaches us to be patient. He teaches us to have courage. And he teaches us to be strong and have endurance. Isaiah 40, 31 says, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. It's in the most difficult times in our lives that God prepares us for the life as a fully devoted follower of Christ. As children of God, he wants us to be patient. He wants us to be courageous. He wants us to be people that have endurance because it's in these times in our lives, in the midst of fear and struggle and pain and suffering, that we're his greatest witnesses, that we're the greatest example. Everybody goes through that. Everybody's going to deal with that in their lives. Jesus said we would all have tribulation. But these are the attributes, the characteristics that he wants the children of God to have. Why? Why? Because he wants us to make a difference in this world. It's not... He wants the best for us. I started with saying we don't have a clue. Um... He gives us a clue. He speaks to our lives. He's training us. He's molding us. He's shaping us into the image of his son. And these things are important. If we could learn them some other way, he would obviously teach them to us. He gives them to us in our words or in his word. He wants us to understand them. But for some reason, it's life that trains us. It's life that teaches us. If you're a Christian or not, here this morning. If you're suffering today because of the bad decisions you've made that's hurt the people you love and you're living life in places and in the consequences you don't want to be in, if you've got nowhere else to turn this morning, I want you to know you're right where God wants you. Nobody in this place is perfect. And nobody knew that more than Joseph. Nobody had a more dysfunctional family than him. It was their sin that brought him to Egypt. That's what God used to bring Joseph to where he wanted him. I don't care how messed up your life is. Joseph's family would make you feel better. If they moved into your neighborhood, Jacob's family, if they moved into your neighborhood, you would move out. It's the truth. In today's world, they'd have their own reality TV show. Lies, deception, idolatry, multiple wives, rape, Incest, murder, slavery. What more do you need for a good reality TV show? And this is the amazing part. In case you're wondering, this was who? Jacob's family. This was the family of God. This was the Christian family that moved into your neighborhood. 
Think about that. God uses all the suffering, all the pain in our lives to bring us to him. The only thing that disqualifies you from God's family and his kingdom is if you don't get that, if you don't understand that you are a sinner and that you need a savior. Apart from that, there is nothing you can do, nothing that God doesn't forgive. If you're going through suffering and pain in your life, God wants you to know where he wants you. You're in good company. This is a perfect church for imperfect people. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I love this quote by Corey Ten Boom. She said, you may, may never know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. Jesus said to those who were suffering, to those who were without hope, He said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. It doesn't matter how you got there. If you're living life in the places you don't want to be, then God has you right where he wants you. If you don't know him, he's going to use those things to draw you to him. It's John 6, 44. If you do, and you're a Christian, and you've made horrible decisions in your life and you're suffering the circumstances, then he says in Hebrews 12, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him for whom the Lord loves. He chastens and he scourges every son whom he receives. If he loves you, he's going to work in your life. And if you're suffering because of no fault of your own, you're like Joseph. You're in the midst of trials and you don't know why. And God wants you to know that he loves you, that he's there for you, that you're not alone. And finally, what we need to know about life in places we don't want to be is God's not going to leave us there. Genesis 39, 21 through 23. It says, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and he gave him favor inside of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. No matter what you're going through, God's not going to leave you there. God was with Joseph in prison. He blessed all that he did. In God's perfect timing, Joseph would soon meet a baker and a butler in prison who would have dreams that Joseph would interpret that would someday lead Joseph to the throne of Pharaoh where Joseph would be able to interpret his dream. And Joseph would someday be ruler of Egypt. That was God's plan for Joseph's life. That's why God was working in his life, for that very purpose. He wasn't going to leave Joseph there. He's not going to leave us there either. And this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's First Peter 1, 6. Trials test our faith. Our faith is precious to God. Joseph's faith was genuine, even in the midst of suffering. And the end result was God was able to use him. 
Do you feel like God wants to use you in your life? Are there times when you feel like he has things he wants you to be a part of, things he wants you to do? Maybe fear, maybe life in general keeps you from stepping up and doing the things that you feel him calling you to do. Joseph's life was, God was working in it to use him for what God wanted him to do. He wants to do the same thing in our lives today. I don't know uh, about you, but the most challenging and inspiring people I've ever met are those people who have suffered the most in this life, that they're filled with tremendous hope and joy. That's on you. Right now, as you're sitting in your seat, can you think of people in your life that you know that just have suffered tremendously, yet they have tremendous hope and joy? It's unusual to see. No, they're not perfect. And I'm sure just like Joseph, they struggled with fear and they had doubts at times in their lives, but their lives were characterized by hope and joy in a fallen world full of suffering. And pain. God uses them to make a difference in people's lives. These are what C.S. Lewis referred to as the beautiful people. It doesn't just happen. I want to close today with chapter 39, verses 3 through 5 again. If you follow along with me, it says, And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had he put under his authority. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. His master saw that God was with Joseph and that God blessed his master's house because of him. The so what, I guess this morning is we need to be people who in the midst of suffering live our lives so that people can see the Lord's with us and that their lives are blessed because of it. God has designed us to make a difference in this world. He wants you to be a part of what he's doing. Sometimes it involves pain and suffering. Sometimes it involves things that we don't want to experience in our lives. But he wants us to know that he's with us, that we're not alone. He wants us to know that we have each other. He wants us to know that when we're going through times like this in our life, we're right where he wants us. He wants us to be comforted by that. Well, the work that he's doing in, his, in our lives is important to us. We need to trust him there. And we need to know that he's not going to leave us there. He has plans for our lives that give us hope and that give us a future and hopefully create in us the kind of character that makes a difference in other people's lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as I prepared, Lord God, for this morning, um, Lord, I know that 
This might not be the message that many people would expect from this chapter in Genesis. Uh, Father, but for whatever reason, it's, it's what you put on my heart. Um, Lord, I pray for those that are here this morning that don't know you. Father, yet they're going through difficult times in their lives, Lord. We pray this morning that these things would be used to draw them to you that they would know how much you love them, that you're using these things in their lives to show them that they need a Savior. Father, if we're struggling this morning because of just bad decisions that we've made. Father, we're Christians, but we haven't been living our life in a way that honors you, and we're dealing with the consequences of that, Lord. Just pray that you would give us comfort. Father, that we would know that you're changing us, you're molding us, you're shaping us into the image of your Son. You're working in our lives in a way that we would learn to honor you. And Father, for those who are suffering, for any number of reasons, Father, but at no fault of their own, they're just dealing with health issues, they're dealing with loss, they're dealing with all sorts of things, Lord. Just pray you would fill their heart with comfort, that they would know that you love them, that you care for them. Lord God, that you know what's best for their lives and that you have great plans for them, plans that give them hope, plans that are eternal, Lord God, that they're your children, they're your heirs, they're overcomers, they're patient, they're courageous, they're enduring, they're children of God. Fathers, we prepare our hearts for communion this morning. Help us to remember that It's your son that gave his life for us. That, Father, without him, none of us would be here this morning. None of us would have hope. Lord, we thank you for him. And just, again, prepare our hearts for what you have for us in Jesus' name.